The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh, and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you today? I'm good. I am. I'm, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to having a, a wee break next week. Hopefully get finished next Tuesday and pretty much have a fortnight off, actually, um, which will be nice. How are you doing? Um, yes, I'm very well. I'm going on holiday as well, but not. We're obviously not going together. So, <laughs> no. so I'm away. I'm away um, next week for ten days, which I'm really looking forward to. Actually, be good to get a break. Yeah, get a break. Brilliant. Okay, so today we're we're joined by Ashley Clancy, senior loss adjuster at Questgates. Ashley has worked for Questgates since 2018, taking up a post in the property division with 15 years of experience already under her belt. Working as a loss adjuster, Ashley has gained considerable experience handling property claims, both large and small. In particular, Ashley is specialised in handling property factoring, housing associations, property owners and commercial claims, which makes it very relevant for our, for our podcast. So, hi, Ashley. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for asking me along. No, thanks for thanks for coming on. This is going to be really interesting because we've we've kind of we try and bring a lot of people from the industry together, but we've not done anything insurance or insurance claim related um, yet. So yeah, Jackson, I'm looking forward to this. So I, I guess a good place to start is to share a bit about what you do. So can you just share that with us? Yes, well, I'm one of the senior loss adjusters at Questgates, and amongst other things, we closely work with clients in property factoring sector, assisting with insurance claims submitted by them or their clients. Um, we can understand the importance of property factoring in Scotland, and they have a difficult job, so the inquiries that they deal with day to day can be cumbersome. So, when it comes to claims, we just try and take the lead as a claims experts and assist owners, property managers through the claims process. So, yeah, Questgates is uh, uh, owned by the people that work for them. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Hugely in Scotland. Yeah, they are. Um, I think they're the only UK specialist loss adjusters that are employee. owned by the... Yeah, yeah, employee-owned. So, yeah, we, um, we've recruited five over the covid um, and now in Scotland, we've uh, bought another business and there's 30 people now in our Glasgow office. Um, so, yeah, we're expanding hugely. Um, that's, yeah, that, okay. that, that's brilliant. You don't come across a lot, a huge amount of employee-owned businesses, actually. And I've, I've yeah, it's something that, that I, I hear about a lot. But, okay, no, that's really useful. I have to say... And, and we met, um, and, and I'm, I'm hoping you don't mind me uh, mentioning this, but we met because of, um, of, a, of a problem I had in my house, and you were the, you were the loss adjuster. And, and I have to say that um, I guess I didn't at that point, I mean, it's the first insurance claim I've ever made in my entire life, and, and 
and um, and I've been on this on this earth for quite a few years. And and actually, it was a pre having someone involved. It was quite a daunting experience to me, I guess. But having a loss adjuster in place made the whole process a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think we've got sometimes there's a, a bad vibe about loss adjusters coming out that we're we're going to cause problems and um cause delays, but it's not not the purpose of us at all. If anything, we're there to try and, as you say, assist you and guide you through the claims process. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was it was really good and it made it it made it a whole lot easier. Um, so thinking about claims management, what are the key factors impacting insurance claims management just now, right now, today? God, there's several and they're kind of overlapping between COVID, leaving the EU, COP26. I mean, that didn't affect everybody, but in Glasgow, it had a huge effect on us. Um, but COVID-19 is one of the most significant impacts and continues to affect us all in what we do in some way. Um, it's caused a rise in costs and materials and availability of materials. And also complex situations for customers. The pressures are dealing with that um, in the current climate. It's um, a difficult experience to have a claim during that. And the delays of building works due to the available materials. So, yeah, communication is key during these times. Making sure that the customer's understand why it's taking longer, supporting them through the process. Um, also, under-insurances came as a highlight, um, given the rising costs of all the commodities. It's more likely that a customer's now underinsured and it'll have a significant impact on their claims. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, certainly the price of everything is going up dramatically, isn't it? So has the, has the exit from the EU impacted the claims environment um, and more specifically for, for for you as loss adjusters? It has. The exit from the EU has um, caused a big impact for loss adjusting um, perspective. It's around building claims and increased costs and delays. Um, they seem to have lost a lot of migrant workforce who predominantly would have been on bigger projects, house builders and the like. Um, so as such, it would appear these bigger construction companies as they've opened back up are paying higher rates for trade. So the smaller contractors who would normally do insurance works um, can't compete with those salary increases, which has left a shortage. Um, so yeah, that along with the problem of sourcing and deliveries of materials, um, having to pay premium costs to get them through EU restrictions. Yeah. Um, so although we're not directly responsible for contractors, we do have to manage this and the increased costs associated with these issues because inevitably they'll cause an increase in claims costs and premiums. Yeah, okay, okay. No, I can understand that. I can understand that. Actually, to be fair, as a speaking about the claim I, ha I had, um, the one thing that I was actually quite surprised about was how much kind of um, I guess contact between the loss adjuster and the contractor was. I thought I would have to kind of deal with a lot of those things, but the contractors are obviously, or spe specialist contractors who work in kind of reinsurance reinstatement. I guess that they they are used to working direct or or being in communication with the loss adjuster. Yeah. Yeah, most of them are in contact with us at some point, whether it's a variation in the works or a delay in the works. 
And yeah. I find it's always best to deal with them, but still copy in the insured so that everything's transparent. You can see everything. You know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. You know the present position and you can intervene. Yeah. Um, because it's your property at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about kind of COVID-19. We've talked about um, um, the exit from the EU. Um, and I probably know the answer to this question, given what you've said. But mm -hmm. but is that is that impacting processing claims? Is it impacting reinstatement? Is it kind of impacting every area and timescale? Yeah, it is. Um, without repeating myself, it's definitely the obtaining of materials and the availability of the labour alongside the increased demand of homeowners. When, when you come out of all the COVID-19 lockdown, homeowners were looking to upgrade their homes, infrastructure projects were kicking off, and it had an impact on start dates being provided for us yeah. because all the materials were being sold elsewhere. Um, so along the course of the claims, the lifespan would have been longer. Yeah. Um, we would have to we would have contractors timelines um, they would strip out, they would dry they would be expecting the delivery that was placed well in advance and then these deliveries would be cancelled no chipboard, no plasterboard and you were kind of at the mercy of the deliveries of those materials to get the job over the line Yeah. so it definitely is there does a, it does appear to be improving however they're still having delays depending on material choices so um, and depending on the works, that dictates whether you need alternative accommodation. Yeah. For these insureds, and these timeframes can be much longer and forcing up, again, the claim costs. So we just try to make informed decisions as quickly as you can, settle claims promptly with the potential, hopefully, minimising the costs and yeah. manage the customers' expectations. Just stay in contact with them, talk them through these delays. It's really yeah. important because they do get frustrated They've got to live with it. They, we can go home. We go and visit them. We go back home. We're not directly affected by it. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, it's, it is a difficult time. It's, it's getting better. Start dates have gone from six weeks now down to about two or three weeks, but um, right. yeah, it's still okay. having an impact. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, when 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 that thing happened at the house in Glasgow for me, which I don't live in anymore, but um, there was a lot of dust and there was a lot of damp and and you know so we we couldn't stay there so i you know and and, and actually um we went and stayed somewhere else for a period of time that that um another kind of a place i have and and you know at least that was a lot easier because we did stay a couple of weeks in in alternative accommodation and it's just yeah i can understand the frustration people get you know but at the end of the day it's just you know things have to be done don't they and yeah and and i guess I mean, I don't, so the one thing I've, I'm doing about renovation of the work at the moment, and the one thing that I've noticed in the last, especially when 1st of April hit, you know, paint's gone up in price, um, um, timber's gone up in price, plasterboard's gone up in price. In fact, practically everything's gone up in price. So I, I guess it's just about getting it done as quickly as possible before you go through multiple price increases, Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to control them and just make sure that they've definitely placed all orders for materials before we move them out. Don't yeah. start a job if you're not prepared. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're just drumming that into most contractors that we come across. If you definitely got all materials in place before you start, otherwise yeah. you've got empty weeks of and paying for accommodation during that time. Yeah. And we had um, COP26. Yeah. 
accommodation during that time was horrendous. Yeah. Um, most were charging average £500 per night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we're still to feel the, the outcome of those costs. Yeah. Next to yeah. yours, probably. Yeah, no, no, actually, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I, I, did, I did actually think about renting my place out for that, but then I was like, no, that's far. It's going to be far too much hassle. But I know a lot of people who did actually, and it was a lot of people in Glasgow. Kind of, it was that. It was it was that kind of kind of once in a lifetime chance to make some some cash on your house, I guess. So I get a, a lot yeah, of yeah, totally profiteering. If I lived closer, I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it was it was. We did think about it actually. We did think about it, but uh, yeah, I mean, having to move out for an insurance claim and then having to move out kind of three months later. Um, um, to make a better, uh, yeah, it was just, it just, um, I think, it, I don't think we would have survived that one. I don't think the dog would have been too happy, you know, to be fair. Yeah. Okay, well, that's been, that's been really, really useful um, because there's a, yeah, there's a, there's obviously a huge of things, a huge amount of things go on behind the scenes with these things that, that people probably don't realize. So, um, and there's a lot of factors involved in, um, or sorry, a lot of things involved in, in, um, in um the process so so that's been really really useful um has has anything else you know just just to kind of finish off has anything else massively impacted um this market or is it mainly or is the main factor being eu and COVID? yeah it's probably COVID 19 in the eu and probably for brokers and property factors that finding it difficult to get competitive quotes. There's quite a number of insurers that have pulled out the market. Right, okay. They've just not got the appetite for it anymore. Um, I mean, during COVID, we did see um, a reduction in the escape of water claims for residential properties. And right. that seems to be the biggest margin of claims that they've got. But there was an increase in fire and accidental damage. Um, for commercial premises, there was an increase in escape of water because there were so many units vacant. Sorry, I think escape of water tends to be because there's no one there and nobody notices, yeah? Exactly, yeah. Right. Most of them have a requirement to check it every seven days, but if it goes three or four days with water coming through, that's, yeah. that can cause a substantial amount of damage in that short period. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, it's still having an impact. And, of course, these increased escape of waters um, and blocks of flats, new builds um, is definitely having an impact on the market and where they can place the business. Yeah, I have heard that actually. I have heard that. To be fair, it might be an idea, and Jackson and I have talked about this before, to try and get an insurance broker on who, because there's, there's two or three, in, certainly in Scotland, who tend to look after this market. Um, so yep. it, would be, it might be a good idea to see if we can get... Um, someone from them on actually because it certainly does seem i have heard kind of rumors and and from our or not rumors but comments from my from from our client for cpl clients anyway about about the kind of um lack of places to go in some respect for from insurance brokers to find the people to place the the insurance with yeah so because property factoring is a huge they've got a whole range of things that they're doing claims is only one part of it but yeah. i would probably expect that their clients this is where they get, this is where the acid test is, this is their insurance policies paying for. So as soon as there's a claim, they want response. Yeah, um, sure. So, yeah, it's a very competitive market when it comes to that. 
yeah. and a difficult one for factors to manage. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, that's certainly my experience was 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 far better than, than I I thought it was going to be. So yeah, I can absolutely see a value, you know, in in, in what you guys do every day. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's that's me done with my questions. Thanks for that. It's been really useful. Um, but now Jack's um, with her. She's she's got she's got a new laptop, but she's not using it. So if you hear a fan going as if a helicopter's about to take off, you'll uh, know it's Jack's uh, laptop. So right. um, but she doesn't have a new one. Not yet. She's not using it yet. Though. So Jack, can you can you um, ask your three quirky questions? Yeah. Okay. Great. So. Ashley, these are three quirky questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, just to add a lighter note to the end of the podcast. So the first one is, what's your biggest failure across your entire career and what did you learn from it? Oh, my. <laughs> I hate talking about failures because that means I've got to set goals. Um, <laughs> I don't, I can't think of anything specific. Um Probably one thing that I always kind of think in my head is when I left school, I was given a, a hairdresser apprenticeship um, at 16, going through this hairdressing apprenticeship with a local hairdressers, and I loved it. It was great. Um, loved the people I worked with. Never struggled to get up for work in the morning. Loved it. And that always sticks in my mind. It was quite a journey. Um, it was uh, I was in Neilston, and they were out in Newton Mayan, so it was a train and a mile walk every day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, so I enjoyed it, but then all my friends got office jobs and they were all well paid, they were earning more money. And I was on the YTS at the time, so that was 1996 and on £56 a week or something. <laughs> so I left and got an office job and never completed my last year in hairdressing. Oh no. Which uh, would have seen me qualified. So I think looking back, I was kind of annoyed by this younger me that had been misguided, a misguided motivation, if you like, for changing my career, which was kind of wrong and short-sighted. Uh, probably learned since then that you should just stick things out and finish what you've started so that there's no loose ends and that money isn't everything. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, what I did learn at hairdressing probably came in quite handy during lockdown for my husband and my sons, but... Uh, <laughs> Apart from that, yeah, I was quite annoyed that I didn't complete it. I could have had a different career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could have been the next Nicky Clark or something. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of anything yeah. else. That's probably one that does stick in my mind. I yeah. Just have... yeah. Oh, I think everyone's got kind of looks back on and thinks, oh, I wish I'd done something differently. Don't, don't we? We're kind of quite guilty of. Um, having some regrets. I don't think it's uh, a unique thing not to have a, a regret. So, um, cool. So if you ruled the world for a day, what would you do? Oh, my God. Um, well, those are the obvious things, aren't they? Like, no war, no poverty. Yeah. <laughs> something that's a wee bit more achievable. Um, I'm not a big mobile phone user. I use it for work. I use it when I need to. But I would probably have, I'd probably enforce a mobile phone detox for a day. Oh. Um, I'm going to sound dead old here and you're quite techy people, aren't you? <laughs> but, you know what I mean? You go, for, go for dinner and someone's sitting across from you and you're trying to talk to them and they're looking at their phone and not talking to you and not listening and 
Yeah. Drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Just feel as if people are kind of losing their way and need to be a wee bit more personal and get back to basics for a day, see what's round about them. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be this fantastic tool for communicating and keeping in touch, and actually, what it's what it's probably doing is making us grow further apart, as you say, when when those situations do happen, when you're sitting in front of someone and especially at the dinner table, you know, um, and it's just becoming more and more like the norm almost now, isn't it? That it's it's almost becoming kind of a bit acceptable. Like I try and keep my phone in my bag if I'm out for dinner or whatever, you know, I'll, but yeah, it does seem to, to be creeping in. So no, I, I would, I would back you on that one. <laughs> All not, the way. Jax, do you not do a detox weekend? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I try and do it uh, intermittently. I had one actually during the the first lockdown two years ago. I had a whole weekend. I switched it off at eight o'clock on a on the Friday night and didn't switch it back on again until the Sunday night. I put it in my um, cupboard in the hall and locked it away so that I couldn't get access to it. It was brilliant. Um, and I do try and have days where I just switch it off, or even just a few hours of throwing it in the bedroom and not not having anything to do with it. I, I get I actually kind of get quite frustrated at myself when I'm on my phone for too much. Yeah. So, I know I don't take a phone to my bed, but 10, half 10 minds is off and I've still got the old radio alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's fabulous. That is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I very occasionally come off Facebook for a period of time. Because it just frustrates me a wee bit um, sometimes. So yeah, I'll just I'll just kind of remove. You know, you can do that kind of. I don't know. It's not a removal, but it's a kind of um, deactivation. Um, yeah, switch it off, and and I do that. And um, but my other half always complains because it then comes up. <laughs> I think it comes up and says in a relationship with unknown. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. But yeah, I think I think you do need a bit of time away from this sort of stuff, don't you? So. Yeah, I think it's good. yeah. Apparently, three out of five people spend more time in their phones than they do with their partners. Is that right? Oh. Wow. Yeah, I was, so. I was out on Saturday um, in town, and with my friend and the couple sitting next to us, we're both sitting with a drink, both on their phones. <laughs> Like, what's the uh, point? Uh-huh. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, I regularly leave mines if I'm out with my husband and the both of us are out. I'll, I'll leave mines and he'll take his just in case. Yeah. Any emergencies or when you get home. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so when you're 70 and you look back at your life, what will you be glad you did or feel proud of? Something that you've done already or still want to do? Oh, Actually, really compare. Uh, I'm obviously glad and blessed. I've got my two sons. Um, they are 23 and 18, both apprentice joiners. So I'm really proud of them. I started my family really young. I was 18 when I had her first, um, and it was really tough. So I am quite happy. I've now 41. Just completed my diploma in law suggesting last week or the week before. Um, and really happy Questgate's career choices I've made over the years. And um, 
Yeah, I think um, I've said good work ethics and values and morals for my sons and hopefully a good role model. So, yeah, I'm glad I've got my sons and proud of what I've achieved. Yeah. Um, look forward to the challenges that the job will bring because it definitely brings some more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think personally, I've... uh, I'm, I'm, I run. I started a running club last year. Uh, pretty, um, pretty good, but professional and supporting club. Uh, Garskew Parriers out in the West End, okay. and uh, at the age of forty-one, starting something like that, it's a bit daunting. Going back to the tracks and running at high school, and uh-huh. um, I think I would like to, if I could, with their support, run a marathon in the future. Yeah. Um, that's my head saying that. I don't know if my body's capable. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> give it a good bash. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm quite happy and proud of where, I, where I've got to in life. Cool. Great. Excellent. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is fabulous. That's, that's great answers. I have to say, I've, I've, I, I started trying to run again. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm about 10 years older than you, or maybe a wee bit more. Um, I started last last year gosh no probably the year before and in the kind of summer when lockdown happened started running because my i have a twin brother and he, he he's a marathon runner he's done a few um and um i started running trying but my my knees my knees are just they just i think I, I used to play a lot of badminton when i was younger and carried a bit of weight as well i was quite heavy on my on my feet when i was a badminton player i wasn't a great badminton player but i enjoyed it and um and I don't think I could do that now. I could cycle probably, but but certainly not run. So no, that's fabulous. Starting these sort of things, you know, is great. Yeah. Most enjoyable mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Well, I started couch to five K like five years ago. Yeah. Um, so I've only ever run half marathons, but right. quite happy. Do you know, getting out in the fresh air. I think we yeah. all have tough yeah. lives and I think you just need to get out there, see what's in front of you. And then embrace some outdoor activity. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, well. Thanks very much for coming on, Ashley. That was brilliant. Um, a great insight into the lock adjusting world for us and spent from property factoring point of view. So, thanks very much for coming on. Not at all. Thanks for having me.